This episode is sponsored by Dances with Kobolds, D&D Twitch channel. Twitch.tv slash Dances with Kobolds. Hello and welcome to Gamers Table. My name is Eric. My name is Husband. My name is Gage. My name is Dorothy. My name is Brandon. Eric, what are we talking about? Uh, this episode, we're talking about fear and loathing in RPGs. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, what uh, what that means is we're talking. We're going to talk about fear and anxiety, and not just using it as game masters or you know incorporating it into your game, but we're also going to talk about as players. Uh, it, I know a lot of people who suffer from anxiety oh, you know, yeah. in real life. Yeah. And, and yeah, so I mean there's it, it's certainly something that uh you know throughout this this hobby you're going to find a lot of people who feel the same way. So we're going to talk about some of that stuff. Uh and then we're going to also going to talk about um some of the tactics you can use as a game master or even as a, a player if you're so inclined to kind of push some buttons if you know that uh you know maybe one of your other players and it's kind of, you know it's kind of a dick move maybe but it's you know <laughs> push some buttons to get some anxiety going and to me, anxiety, uh, when you're in the moment and you're feeling that anxiety for your character, it's very real to you. Yeah. And I think that when you have a player who's feeling anxious about what you're doing as a game master, I think you're succeeding because they're invested. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That character becomes you at that point. You're not so much playing a character as you are trying to get through your anxiety for that moment. Just to frame this a little bit, though, I, I wanted to talk about, you know, the, the actual stress response of of uh, fear and anxiety, and it's really not the same thing. As uh, a medical definition, uh, anxiety is stress of an imagined threat, whereas fear is the stress involved with an actual, like, physical threat. So when you're talking about gaming, you're talking about anxiety. You're not really talking about fear. Yeah. yeah. I think that depends on what table you're playing at. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. <laughs> All depends, yeah, how violent the table actually is and, and, and threatening you. Yeah. I can't say that I've ever played in a table where I actually felt physical fear, <laughs> except maybe once. And that was uh, it was a game where it was a bunch of army guys that I didn't know. I was running for a friend, and it was he said, hey, you need to run a game for you know the guys in my unit. I'm like, okay, fine. They're like taking it to like the next level where they're using hand signals. And there was like an entire portion of the game where they didn't speak at all, but they were doing everything like tactically and stuff. And I'm like, what the fuck? I don't know what's going on. And as, as they got more and more drunk, they got more and more like into it. And I'm yeah. thinking to myself, I might not walk out of here. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh no. <laughs> honestly, unless you're playing in a very rough area, I would think that fear isn't actually going to be a factor where yeah. you're having the fight or flight response although anxiety can induce, induce that that yeah. yeah very much so even in the last record that we did for resting glitch i won't give any spoilers but give all the spoilers oh okay <laughs> um, exclusive spoil don't we won't give any spoiler warnings so just go ahead and just start spouting stuff off but do it do it do it out of order so people don't know exactly when any of this occurs oh geez yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well there was definitely something that was being described was happening to my character and it was giving me a physical reaction like i was so uncomfortable and so creeped out by what was happening to my character that like i got goosebumps i got a little nauseous it was weird and like i think maybe that's not along the fear realm but i mean in game anxiety and that kind of a stressor can definitely have a more physical reaction for sure and doesn't that kind of hit to the the line of immersion 
Oh yeah. You know, if you're yeah, feeling anxiety, yeah, anxiety for your character makes sense because like you're saying, it's an imagined type of pain. But once you start to feel like you are your character, what, at what point does it cross over into fear? I guess is my question because fear of heights is classified as a fear, but that's actually imagined. I mean, I, I mean, feel like the only way that you could really be truly afraid as opposed to not being, you know, it's, it's fear and not anxiety is if you don't know how to differentiate reality in you playing a game. If you're one of those people that gets so enthralled that it becomes reality to you, I can see. You but like a, like a method actor, you know, yeah. like somebody who really yeah. gets into, yeah. you know, the process and then, you know, they, they immerse themselves so deeply, like psychologically into this character. They become them. They become that character. We used to tease our friend Jason about it all the time because there was a, a point where he was playing his character Valcon. He could not, deline- you know, delineate where Valcon started and he you know, ended and vice versa. And it was one, he, he had to step away from the game and he actually said, I need to play myself for a little while. Oh, geez. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And so, and I, to this day, we still give him shit about that. So rightfully so, of course, but what are friends for? Yeah. Right. That is, I think the extreme level of that. And, and most of your players aren't going to have that level of, stress when you're talking about playing a game. So what I want to focus on is how to direct anxiety, either as a player or as a game master. I'm thinking primarily as as a game master. I know that Chuck Wendig says in his blog that uh, to use anxiety, you must uh, have suspense, followed by dread, followed by revulsion. Once you've reached that level of revulsion, then you're really playing with anxiety. Yeah, that that definitely happened. <laughs> that, that was my experience. <laughs> See, and as a game master, I feel like I want to live as long as humanly possible in that suspense, anticipation feeling. Because it's, you know, it's like Jaws and the shark. Not seeing the shark is the scary part of Jaws. Knowing the shark is there somewhere and not seeing it. I want my players to know what's going to happen next and then just live there. I'm glad you brought that up. until I can go get a soda or something. (laughs) I'm glad you brought that up because there's a point of contention between some people that I know uh, about the movie Hereditary. Oh my God. I love that movie. I thought it was so good. (laughs) And Shannon's not here. Shannon hated it. (laughs) Shannon hates that movie. But she has good points on why. And and my thing... None of that made her anxious. (laughs) She she thought that movie was so dumb. But I think that... When you're talking about horror, and I'll, I'll, I'll restate something that I state quite frequently is that in a horror game, the players are so conditioned, they're not going to feel horror. A lot of times, I think, and we talked about this before. I know. We talked, like, uh, it's all about, it's all about setting. It's not necessarily even just like the setting in the story. It's the setting at the table. But I, I think that it's, it's more powerful when it's unexpected. I mean, sure, you could play a horror game. You could play, you know, uh, Gage, you're big on uh, uh, East Texas U, you know. Yes. Now, that, now, that's that's mm-hmm. certainly something that's a little oh. bit more, I, I wouldn't say it's necessarily horror. It's more of a... <laughs> As Dorothy would know it, boyfriend simulator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shannon definitely threw in some creepy elements there, but yes, it was very much so just a boyfriend simulator for me. <laughs> yeah. I only run ETU as often as I do because it's the best setting in gaming. Um but that's like the only reason. <laughs> it's hands but down in, the best and no argument. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but in terms of horror, like that is kind of my go-to example because it's probably the outside of dread games, which are great at like when you talk about moving into immersion and forcing players into the situation of actually feeling the tension personally. Uh, dread is a great example. But if getting players to feel horror at the table, I don't. I think it's more possible than we let out. 
I think most of us are still remembering our friends who are 17 and we're like, fuck you, dude. I'm not scared. Yeah. I <laughs> into the game that you're going to be playing and you let them know ahead of time. This is where I want to go. It's just like a scary movie. When you go to see a scary movie, you're sitting in a chair with popcorn next to your buddies. There's, there's no danger. You allow yourself to go on the ride. And as it a game master, you want player buy-in first and then you want to not disappoint. You want to give them the stuff. I just did, uh, we just launched a new ETU game. Speaking of ETU. And I made the initial baddies, the uh, the football players who are in a fraternity, because watch the news. They're what's scary right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? Damn. But, but you take that real world stuff and you put it in there and everyone kind of, there's like a degree of everyone has to be on the same page. Otherwise you can't, if they don't know what's going on, they can't anticipate what's going to happen next. Just as a quick little nugget about my ETU experience with Shannon. Um, so we didn't follow what the plot of the game was supposed to be. We ignored all the high signs of, hey, there's a bad thing that's supposed to happen. Y'all need to prepare for it. And we just, like, set up all these parties. And, like... I don't think that was Shannon's fault. No, I think it that wasn't. Was it, was, it was 100% us, the players' fault. Because we kept She would come home all the time and be like, I have, so I have all this stuff planned, and not one person went for any of this. Like, they just wanted to fucking party yeah. or go out on a date. Yeah. <laughs> we would... We screwed up that campaign so much for her, be, and unintentionally. Well, she loved it, though. She could have like, just emailed me, and I would have told her. <laughs> yeah. Well, we kept we fell into the same people. trap every single time because, <laughs> like, we kept thinking, "Oh, well, someone keeps getting abducted at these parties. Let's throw more parties and catch the person that's doing it." Yeah, let's throw more parties and make it easier <laughs> for them to take them. Yeah, is what you guys did. That's exactly what happened. That's a target-rich environment. Yeah, <laughs> I got quizzed on my boyfriend every gaming session, so. <laughs> I I wouldn't get to keep my in-game boyfriend if I didn't get the quiz right. Oh so it was God. that was stressful for me enough. Yeah. <laughs> Shannon. So the last thing I'll say about ETU and then I will let it go, I promise. Um mm -hmm. that would have been for me as a GM, that's bread and butter, because there's actually a monster in ETU called a beautiful person who is incredibly attractive, can shape shift, and when you have sex with them, in three days you become one of them and you lose your character. Awesome. Uh, so if all you want to do is go have sex with people and party. Then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that night went well. And then at the end of the session, you just go, hey, by the way, Dorothy, um, why don't you go ahead and give me your character sheet and come with someone <laughs> new and ready to play next week? Why? <laughs> oh, man. Shannon told her she should have done that one. I would have been so upset. <laughs> I told her she should just start killing off people, like actual also, players. Yes, well, yeah. In real life, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I, I would have been the first to go. Very horrifying and gruesome ways, you know, to the, just drive home the fact that this is supposed to be a scary game. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to anxiety in gaming, can you recall any instances where you were like super anxious or anything like that in a game uh, as a player or as a game master? Yeah, yeah, actually, you know, and it's funny because when, when Gage talked about the whole you know, if you, when you sit down and you're invested in this kind of thing and you, you get into the game and whatnot, or if you discuss expectations beforehand or whatever, we didn't do that in a particular campaign that I was involved in. And the GM just kind of let things happen as they happened. He didn't necessarily inform us beforehand that, but the only guiding principle he gave us was his belief that there are such things as first level characters, but there are no such things as first level adventures. So just keep that in mind as you go through this campaign. And which meant that we spent about the first four or five levels, you know, just running away from things <laughs> because, you know, realizing that they were, they were, they were way out of our league. But he also, that was one of the first times I actually ever experienced that like level of anxiety 
leading towards fear at the table because of the way in which he presented a lot of things. And it was, it was a slow build uh, with, you know, one slightly disturbing thing stacked upon another slightly disturbing thing stacked upon another and just building towards this, you know, overall tension coupled with the fact of how it was presented and which I think has a lot to do with it in the way in which you speak, the way in which you um, describe things, you know, the, the the metaphors that you maybe use to help try and uh, create some sort of visual visual imagery, or is it similes? I'm not sure. Either way, but however you create that the those however you make your players think of certain things, that has a lot to do with I think being able to build and then ramp up that that tension and that anxiety, you know, from them. Kind of piggybacking off of that, talking about um, players not knowing, you know, being able to assess threat level mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, <laughs> playing a game like that. Um, I, I once played in a game where the game master knew that most of his players were video gamers. So would say things like, you see the spinning question mark over this person's head or this person, uh, you, you might as well just say this person's name is in red right now, <laughs> yeah. you know, oh, yeah. that kind of thing. And I'm like, that completely takes away from yeah. that any level of anxiety or or just not knowing. It's like yeah. desensitizing. It, you're going through the mm-hmm. motions at that point. You're just like, oh, there's a person of interest. Let's write it down and let's let's talk to them because clearly we're supposed to. And- right. And and I think as a, and just as a player in that game, the game master had such a horrible anxiety of of you know he was so focused on. Is everybody else having fun right. that his level anxi- of anxiety bled through and it got to the point where nobody was having fun? Personally, I always feel like it starts and ends with the game master. If the game master is not having fun, if the game master is anxious about this, it bleeds over and you can feel that as a player. And you start wondering, first and foremost, is this game even going to last? You know, if this person's having this level of anxiety and we're first level. Then you know what, what's it going to be like when we're ten or fifteen? Right. Yeah, and 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 you know, exactly. everybody who's played for any length of time knows that players have uh, a tendency to go off on their own or kind of pursue their own interests. And yeah. if you're a game master who's not comfortable with that, that's that can be very terrifying. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, you know, playing a game where you know the the you can't assess the threat level. And you don't know. And like you said, Chris, you, you know, using, uh, your metaphors or just using your terminology. Uh, and I'm not suggesting keeping a thesaurus next to you at all times, but you know what? Maybe, maybe that, that would help. But, um, to kind of put it in a, in a perspective of, uh, what has recently happened in, uh, in our game, I'm describing what's going on in this, you know, this abandoned basement. And I'm trying to build this mood as to, you know, what's going on. And, you know, <laughs> and it, it's, it's funny because I've got all my players are leaning forward, like what is happening? And it's getting very, very tense. I was literally sweating. <laughs> I was so enraptured and like, oh my God, what's and, going on? And when, that when, like, when, I could feel myself getting damp. What's what the flow? Not that Rewind. kind of damp. What kind of goddamn basement are you explaining? <laughs> <laughs> it's a sex dungeon. German dungeon porn. 
So, I want to play in your games, Eric. <laughs> yeah. What, what games have I been like kicked out of? Is That's what right. I want to know. You got to know. You got to be a lady. Yeah, it's like it's like a speak. I can do that. You got to know the you got to know the password. Hey, it's uh, called role playing. I could be a lady. There you go. Um, <laughs> you're, you're, you're our new you're our new add in, and your name is just Butch. <laughs> <laughs> How spoilery are we going with uh, with Resting Glitch Face? Um, well, we can talk. Well, uh, that was episode nine. That was released. Yeah, once it's, it's released, out, it's yeah. yeah, it's once it's released, it's good. So uh, those of us at the table who know what happened beyond episode nine will not spoil okay. that stuff. But uh, <laughs> if it's out, it's it's fair game. Brandon, we'll talk later. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so here's an interesting thing. Now I don't know if you guys did this for for Glitch or not. But I tend to do a session zero and talk about boundaries. Yes. Uh, and one of the things you used in that moment, Eric, that tends to come up as one of the very first boundaries is kids. Mm-hmm. So yep. did you have that conversation? ahead? I'm, I'm curious because number one thing I hear from most people is like, if it, something has to happen to an animal, can you just handle it off screen? And yeah. just, just nothing with kids. And can you keep away rape? Yeah. And that's generally like, boom, boom, boom. Keep these three off and we are and push me as far as you want after that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We did have that conversation. Yeah. Um, the We definitely talked about like the X card and all that kind of stuff on, you know, what were our hot topics of, no, we don't need to cross this line. Um, and for Lindsay, who plays uh, Arsenal, she... She was the one that mentioned um, the no kid thing. And it was more so that she just didn't want children to, like, be in line of fire type situations, which hashtag. So, Eric, come. you just ignore your players, right? Yeah, well, <laughs> so, rule number one, ignore your players. Exactly. Right. So, You're there to tell your story, damn it. <laughs> that's, coming from, that's coming from a perspective that she just didn't want to know if a child was going to get hurt or not. Like, it was kind of like the, if, a, if an animal is going to get hurt, have it happen off screen. She just didn't want to be in any way, shape, or form involved in actively hurting children. Yes. So. And I. I use that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> very much. I like very, how, yeah. You should see Eric's face. Like, he's so, like, not defensive, can, but hold on, hold on. I didn't do that, right? Yeah, it's delight, actually. Um, <laughs> it, no, there's but, a smile. But, Smug. <laughs> yes. But, no, what it, what that was is I'm, I was going from the position of, it's something that Stephen King says. When you're doing a story, the best way to know that you're going to be effective in telling a creepy story is you creep yourself out. Yeah. And you may, I may not always scare you, but I can certainly creep you out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> She's an easy target. <laughs> I, I, am, yeah, I am target numero uma, uno because yeah. I'm a huge horror fan and I'm a huge like. You're a big softie. Yes. And yeah, yeah softie. I'm, I'm a little bit of a baby when it comes to yeah. scary stuff. But yeah. It's great. Right. And, and <laughs> there's a. There's a popular trend, and I think there's even a subgenre of horror about it, which is the scary little girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do, nothing. Uh, listen, the uh, the scariest any soundbite you you'll ever hear in your life is children laughing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Children. Yes. A of child's that. laughter in the dark is the scariest fucking thing you'll ever hear, and you'll right there you'll shit your pants. I, like, oh my god, what's I happening? I had to have a blanket wrapped around me and a like hugging a pillow while Sean and I were playing. My husband, Sean, and I were playing Resident Evil Seven together oh, because yeah. I could not <laughs> handle myself. <laughs> Kids are but scary, I, man. Like I enjoy. I mean, I don't know if I mean, it's like great, the but... adrenaline or like the anxiety of it, but I enjoy the feeling of being scared. So I don't know if that makes me masochistic or whatnot. But <laughs> I, it's just I, I've always been 
a horror fan, so the feeling of being scared. See, it's fun. It's so funny. (laughs) It's so funny. So she can be scared. Eric, you and I talked about this. So Dorothy can be scared and she enjoys it and she goes after those things. (laughs) Shannon, on the other hand, cannot be scared. She doesn't have those emotions. She doesn't understand (laughs) that she doesn't have those emotions, but she refuses to watch anything scary. And when she does, she thinks it's the dumbest shit in the world. It's hereditary. We've gone full full circle. I I do agree with her. I don't think it was as good as people say it was, but it's because it's so insisting that it's scary at the beginning. Like at the beginning, it's like, really? Turn this fucking white noise off. Like it's very annoying. (laughs) Spoiler alert for I mean have, have either of you gentlemen not seen Hereditary yet? I ha- I have not seen Hereditary, but I mean honestly you could tell you could no you could spoil it for me and honestly I'm going to forget about it anyway. <laughs> so if you if you want to cut this out of the recording or whatever, but the fucking part where she is literally floating and crawling through the air, I flipped out. I was like, what the fuck? Is I don't even this think that bit? spoils anything. <laughs> no really. one's going to know what the fuck you're talking about until it happens. Not, oh shit, that's what Dorothy was talking about. Oh fuck. <laughs> I, I definitely was like, oh god, what's happening? Yeah, see, it's funny because I can imagine uh, watching a horror movie with you would be like watching a horror movie with my wife. Oh god. My wife <laughs> cannot handle horror movies at all. I, I was. Uh, I was telling Brandon the other day that uh, we went to the movie theater to see The Ring when it came out, and I'm sitting. Love there. that movie. Yeah, and I do too. And I'm sitting there, and you know, and I we were. It was you know we never go to a first release ever. So it was in you this. Can't. Yeah, it was in this tiny ass theater. We were the only two in there, right? And so nice. we're sitting there, and. I'm sitting there and I'm going, okay, you know, this movie's okay. There's a lot of tension, but there's not really anything scary to this. And until the tape came on, and yeah, and she crawls out of the television, and I'm and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I I rock back in my seat and I, I went. This fucking movie is awesome. And I turn my head to my right to see my wife and kind of look at her face. And all I see is the chair moving as she had crawled behind the chair. <laughs> and, and you I, guys think he's exaggerating? If you knew Jen, he's not exaggerating. Yeah. And I mean, it's, uh, she does not react well to that kind no. of, that kind of level right. of stress. Um, as a complete side tangent, um, uh, we don't have earthquakes very often in, in the St. Louis area. Oh God, yeah. Well, my wife's from Southern California, so she's she's you know well versed in like uh, what to do with uh, with an earthquake. Well, we had an earthquake. Was that about seven, eight years ago? Yeah, at least yeah. And it was it happened at like five in the morning. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I I thought it I thought it was a truck going by. That's all I thought it was. I didn't think much of it. I thought it was like a big truck going by. My wife instantly recognized it as an earthquake. She elbowed me in the throat, <laughs> jumped out of the bed, and got into the, you know, the... The uh, crook of the door, the, like the, the, do- the door yeah, frame. The oh door frame. My God. So that way I wouldn't beat her there. Oh, my God. That's, Self-preservation. That is Jen to a T. <laughs> I'm so glad she cares about you yeah. so much. And then she's like, so earthquake, 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 earthquake. <laughs> so if we're talking about fear and anxiety, what's your marriage like, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. Well, it's it's a lot better than it sounds apparently because there's other people that she went out just as a complete other side tangent. Uh, the, one of her fr- that she went out with her girlfriends the other day and they were talking about bondage and S- and all that stuff. Good and, lord! And uh, the one girl who's into it looks at my wife and goes. Well, you know what that's all about, don't you? Oh, my God. And she was like, what? <laughs> oh. Why would she even think that? And I was like, well, maybe she just thinks that you're just dominating I, every, every way you can. No, I have, to, I have to hear this story from Jen now. I, guess, I know it's going to be way more over the top. Spoiler alert. 
uh, pegging was brought up. Oh god, of course <laughs> it was. Yeah, no. of course. That was going to be my question. That's what I wanted. I was waiting for the moment to ask. It's <laughs> not a party until pegging's brought up. I was going to say, was that because of your wife or is that just a vibe people just generally get from you, Eric? I don't know. I have no idea. Probably both. Probably both, yeah. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very, very quiet and passive. He's very peggable. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a big target. (laughs) We were just talking about sphincters, too. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Brandon, I'm so going to clip out just that portion of the uh, podcast (laughs) as its own little sound file. <laughs> Golly. You know, but one of the things, speaking of the ring, though, one of the things I think that I liked, I mean, yeah, I agree with your assessment as far as everything leading up to there was all kinds of tension, tension, tension. But when you think about the, and the this is this is what I like, I think, best about horror and tension and creating that anxiety and what I try have tried to duplicate uh, in games is there's so much that's on in that video because that video is easily the creepiest part of the whole thing. I mean, even like their faces after uh, Samara gets them. Yes, their faces look a little twisted and contorted and stuff like that. But that's like standard horror stuff. Well, they don't even Where show think- it to you until like until you're like, what does their face look like the whole time? Yeah. Until you finally yeah. get to see when you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. But e- but even then, it's like you have that initial shock, but then it's like, oh yeah, okay, I've seen something similar in, you know, movie X or whatever. But what that movie does so well is it takes so many mundane elements, things that just are completely normal and, and makes them just moves them like two or three steps to the left to make them creepy. I mean, there really is nothing really creepy about a a girl in a white dress with long hair, but as soon as you put it in front of her face and turn her into shades of blue and white and maybe a little bit of black and white, suddenly now that's creepy. And yep, there's a supernatural step where she comes out of the TV and that's, you know, that is what it is. But like everything in the video, even like when they cut to shots of flies, well, okay, flies themselves aren't necessarily that creepy, but in the context of how it's all arranged, it just adds and builds to that tension. You know, there's nothing there's nothing creepy about somebody sticking their finger with a nail, but when they show the close-up shot of the thumb pressing down on the nail and it splits, that's freaking gross, and it just really kind of messes with you, you know? And I love that kind of build, is taking things that are normal, that appear normal, and then just moving them slightly to create that scary effect. Yeah. Right. Now, those are tools of cinematography to do it, but, like, then how do you take that and then do it at the table? Because you can't color adjust your player's... For me, what I've done, what I've done with that, like I had, um, this was in my in my Deadlands game. I had them. They came upon essentially what was like they they found some people whose faces were cut up. Well, rather than say that you know you find these guys and their faces are all just cut up, I just changed it slightly to saying you can see that they their faces have been cut in a certain pattern. So there's red bloodlines all on their face in this particular pattern, and everybody's face is the same way. So it goes from being this 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 scene of gore with faces cut up to now it's just now there looks like there's something ceremonial and and sinister involved in how these faces were cut, right. which you know builds in their minds. And instead of finding them dead laying down, they found them dead 
and sitting. So their bodies had been, you know, bent over and balanced so that they wouldn't fall to either side, but they're just kind of hunched while they're sitting up with these cut up faces. That suddenly now becomes a bit more, it's, it just goes into the realm of weird and kind of gets them thinking and then building that kind of tension. Yeah. I, I used something not exactly like that, but kind of similar in a game, um, in, where the the player characters went to this it was like a like a a spirit land right and they they come across these uh and i i like to use folklore a lot with things like that um and i'm not i'm you know modern folklore or at least uh you know tellings of folklore has been very much you know homogenized or filtered and things like that whereas you know the original stories like the grim fairy tales and things like that were were cautionary tales for the most part you know trying to you know don't go into the the woods because there's you know uh bad things can happen to it's you. teaching kids not to be shitty a lot of times right or yeah don't yeah don't or don't wander into somebody you know somebody's yeah. house that you know or don't let some strange uh person in the woods lure you into a cabin with you candy know, right with candy or anything <laughs> like that um so i like to use uh, you know folklore like that or at least uh you know like ghost stories and things like that and there's always those the stories of the fae um abducting children and things like that and in this one story that i told there was uh, we, they called them the wicker people and what they were were these wicker dolls that were made um, as like uh, representations of these stolen children and then in this spirit world these wicker dolls were actually like uh, creatures they would move around. In doing the description of it, because it was like, okay, a, a little wicker doll. I mean, you know, that that's kind of creepy. That's very, yeah. you know, Blair Witch. Um, but then, I, you know, I took it the next level and said that, you know, they've got skin stretched across their heads to look like faces and and things like. And you start and that's going, creepy. And yeah. that and and that takes it to the next level. And I think when you're talking about trying to push those anxiety buttons. You find where you can go and you can take it to the next level. Now, I'm not talking about taking it like, you know, to the to the worst absolute level, like what you're talking about, Gage. Um, you know, do I listen to my players? And I absolutely do. I heard what uh what what uh, Lindsay was saying. Yeah. You know, she does she didn't want children to be in harm's way. She didn't want children to, you know, didn't want to come across, you know, uh, a, a baby who died of VTOS, you know, mm -hmm. it, it, she doesn't want to come across that stuff. Um, but so what I heard was I could introduce a child into this story and she's not going to kill it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> See, like, yes, you need to establish that. Is this going to happen? Right. When, when anytime in a, when a game starts and you do the zero session and you talk about what you don't want in the game, like as far as boundaries, I never think as kids as one of them because I feel like you're taking out a part of, because everybody is very sensitive about kids. Yeah. So if you take that out, what's the point? Like you're never going to have the fear of a child dying. Like that seems such like it's a missed opportunity. I feel like to well, force players into something or, uh, make players make decisions on base around those things. Right. It's making more moral or at least, uh, you know, right and wrong decisions. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, even in that episode, when you find out Mary's in the egg and like Eric, you say it's a little girl, Lindsay's face at the table, obviously nobody could see this, but she like had a physical reaction to that. Cause she was like, Oh no, well we can't kill her now. Right. <laughs> right. So I, I think, like, I understand, I always understand rape. That's something that, one, I don't think most GMs would want to have to go through, like, describing. And two, I don't think anybody would really want to sit there through that because it'd be kind of awkward. But 
Um, like animals and kids, I think are fair game. Like I think they're fair game because it's more realistic. Yeah. See, and I feel like it depends on the game because you know, at the end yeah. of the day, what you're doing for resting glitch face or the adventures of young and Holt or any like podcast, you're playing for an audience. So it's completely different. It's about storytelling. Let's find the places. Let's push. Right. Because storytelling for an audience is key. But when you're just playing the game with your buddies, it's storytelling for you guys. Right. And I don't always want to get pushed to that point. You know what I mean? Like there might be a time where, like as a GM personally, if I had one person at the table who had kids are kind of my no-go zone, I would probably take the time to pull them aside ahead of time and say, hey, this is your no-go zone. And I, if you're still feeling that way, I will completely respect it. I kind of wanted to push into this direction. You know, I have a nice brand new X card sitting right next to you. Do you feel comfortable? Do you trust me to go this way? Because otherwise, I think this is something we lose track of a lot when we get into higher concepts. It's a fucking game with your friends. The biggest mind-blowing concept and we're pushing boundaries and going to the edge. And sometimes I think that has a place, but a lot of times I think we lose track of the fact that most of the time we're friends playing games. Right. And not... It doesn't always have to have to go that way. And so personally, I handle them with conversations with certain players, especially if they've already let me know that they have issues and like that they have tender and sensitive spots, then I'm going to have a conversation with them ahead of time. Right. And at the end of the day, not have my own pride get in the way. You know, right. I love if I'm going to push a spot that I know is tender for you, I'm giving you the veto card. And if you say my left toe kind of hurts today, so fuck, you know, then we're not doing it. I don't think we should just like have a game where kids are brought out in the street and just murdered or something. But I think it sounded like that's what you were saying. But actually, (laughs) Brand, well, then, Brandon, you probably won't want to play my new upcoming one shot, uh, taking kids out in the street and maiming them. Oh, that sounds great. (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) Um, But I I feel like you're taking away tools for people's emotions when you're playing too. Because I mean, if you think of books or movies or something that actually had you have an emotion that who cares if you didn't like it, Uh, most of the time you remember it and you like that movie because of it or that book. And just because it's not in a game and because somebody gets their feelings hurt, like I understand that there's some things that people don't want to deal with, but that's, isn't that, isn't that realistic? Like I get certain things and I'm, it depends on how it's done, but I think taking away something like that just because, well, I don't want to think about that happening. It takes away some important story elements that you or, could do. I think it also, it, it depends on the themes of the games that you're playing. Oh yeah. I mean, if you're, yeah, if you're playing, you know, it, it, if it has absolutely no place in the game. Yeah. I, I, I agree yeah. that, that it shouldn't happen. Well, that's, that's just egregious. That's right. just like, we're playing, uh, some super happy fun time game and all of a sudden a child is completely right. destroyed yeah, in front of no, everyone. There's, there's no place in the Care Bear role-playing game for yes, that. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> no. They Care Bear stare some kid to death. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, and I guess that's where I get with like, it always, at least for me, it's a long-running joke is that anytime you want to talk about GM or playing advice, it always comes back to communication. Yeah. Because my thing is you can't have any hard and fast rules except for the fact that you should talk to each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, to use an example, you have Skies of Glass that you guys, you know, you guys are playing in that game. Yeah. And I don't think anyone's going to sit down at that table and say, I don't want to see kids get hurt. I want to see animals get hurt. Because you'd probably all rightfully say it wouldn't feel like size of glass at that point. Actually, when we first sat down, the three things that were off the table immediately were no kids, no animals, basically the same three you said earlier. No rape. No rape. <laughs> it was the exact same three. And I, when, I remember when we did that, I was like, really? I thought this was supposed to be like a hardcore game. Like, I expected these things to be in it, actually. Not all of them, but like 
some of those things to be dealt with. And there was a horse that died. <laughs> like we shot a fucking horse. Right, right. <laughs> and Aww. like but it was already like like it was dying. It was so dying. He put it, out of its he, so, he put it out of its misery by blowing its fucking brains out with a giant magnum handgun. <laughs> like, <laughs> so um, excessive. Well, you horse. say he was yes. dying. It just it had more to do with the fact that the horse was smoking and he was eventually going to die from cancer. That's right. Actually, <laughs> the horse oh the horse exactly. had a broken leg. Which yeah, you could put a horse down for that. You don't have to. And he was just like instantly like up. Oh, Boom! Yeah. Like, what are you doing? Right. I'm a fucking which doctor. Actually, I can at least attempt to help this thing. Which actually brings me back to another thing where you're taking like you're taking tools out of your tool belt, which is true. But yeah. you know what's the thing we say over and over again, uh, which is that it's the limitations that bring out your creativity. Right. Uh, and so you look at a game like that, like without you know really doing those things, and you look at what Dan's done. Uh, that's that's a brutal fucking game. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. In, oh, yeah. in, in other hands, those elements. Yeah, in other hands, that game could be completely different. <laughs> to be honest, if we had kids dying on the table, it would be a lot more gruesome. I could see Dan doing some pretty. Some I don't know. I, things. He, yeah, I mean, I I don't think so. I He's think he's a he, sick, sick bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever read it, but uh, John Wick wrote a book called Play Dirty. Um, and if you have not read it, uh, you need to because. A lot of it is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it's not really because it's really just him saying, this is how much of a dick GM I've been in the past. Well, one of the stories that's always stuck with me is a perfect uh, example of pushing the anxiety button in a player. And uh, I won't go into the whole thing, but essentially he he was uh, big, I guess, in college running – uh, champions. One of his player player characters was named Malice, and I don't know if you know anything about uh, uh, Hero System, which is the champion system. It's much like many of your other RPG systems where you can pick flaws. No. And his big thing is you find the character's flaw and you exploit it. That's what flaws are for. And his favorite one to use is the dependent NPC. So you oh. know, like the Aunt May. Yeah. Right? And his example was. The player character was keeping the identity secret, you know, and the Aunt May character absolutely hated superheroes, did not want anything to do with superheroes, thought that they were, you know, they were just bringing upon this problem and all this other stuff. Well, his his super bad guy uh, orchestrated it so that way they were duking it out uh, on this roof and shot the character with a paralyzing ray and the char- the player character falls through a, like a skylight and boom hits the table in this like wreck area where grandma is having her 70th birthday oh no <laughs> and the ba- big bad guy goes down and goes and pulls the mask right off the face Grandma dies of a heart attack right then. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, then he goes on to say that that player never played in my game again. Oh my God. And I, what? Really? (laughs) That's such a sensitive thing. I feel like it's a game. Like it's not, it's not real. It's a game. And that right there, like that's, I feel like that emotion of that like type of thing should have made you want to play more in that well, game. You think that, you know, because there's two different schools of thought there. Yeah. There's the, I want to play and I want to put myself in, I, I want to see how I, they he can exploit my other things, you know, mm-hmm. my other uh, flaws or whatever, and make characters. And then there's the other ones who are insecure about that, yeah. who then want to try and cover all of their bases so that way they can't. Yeah. Have their I feel like that's such a that's such a cop out though. Like to get that yeah. mad. Because it's like you chose that, right? You chose to have this Aunt May character. And then for you to get mad that it was exploited, 
that's your own fault. Like that's your whole thing, right? Like this, you chose that. You can't get well, mad about yeah, it. Now. I I don't know. It, it's I, I get I get it. I mean, I, I though was it you? I had, was that no, you? No, it was not me. It was not it, me. But it was actually me. Oh no, Gage, come <laughs> on, <laughs> man. But I mean, I as a player, one time I had a similar experience with a character, and I you know I I had nothing wrong with the idea of bad things happening to them, and I've told the story before, so I'm not I won't go into all the details of it, but. He lost a he lost a duel with his nemesis. Okay, that's fine, you know, because that builds tension for for later down the road when I can, uh, you know, avenge that loss. But then things took an extremely dark turn at that point, and so not only did my character lose the duel, but then he was utterly humiliated by this guy, and um, and the GM running this, you know, just did it casually, and it really bothered me because it didn't. It didn't fit the vision of what I had for this character. Like, I was fine with the whole idea of my character is going to probably have things that set him back, or he may have defeats or whatever, and he's going to attempt to rise above these defeats and do all this stuff. But he he took it in such a bring out the gimp pulp fiction direction that it was like this was <laughs> it was so it was so off the rails from what was uh, the acceptable highway for, for me to do at the time. And it was Chris, I don't know if it. I've heard this story, but you have to tell me this later because <laughs> the fact that you just oh, I've heard this story. Is yeah. And it was just it was so it was it was so upsetting to me because it's like, you know, come on. I mean, I don't mind I don't mind having setbacks. I don't mind having you use certain things against me, but geez, man, you know, this is come and on. I would, and I would say also, like with that John Wick story, one of the things I think we're missing a lot is context. And I think Brandon. You have spent a lot of time under good GMs. That's true. <laughs> That's and I very think, true. <laughs> I think that colors. So when you hear that story, you go, oh, that's just like this time Eric did this thing where I brought this thing up in the first freaking session and I never even thought about it again. It was just to get my min-max points. And then he smacked me in the face with his dick using this NPC four, four uh, sessions later. see dick, yeah. <laughs> As someone who has played with bad GMs, that's not always earned like that. Well, it's not yeah. always handled well like that. Sometimes it really is a GM who's like, uh, yeah, and then you fall through. Oh, no, you don't actually get to save. Yeah, he has a special <laughs> thing. It's in the splat book. You haven't read it yet, but like, I, I totally <laughs> no, read it. I can, um, oh, and while you're there, it's also, uh, it's your aunt's uh, 70th birthday. I know you didn't actually know it was her birthday, but like, she sent you a card. Like, you should have checked your mail. Like, and it becomes this <laughs> bullshit thing that is just uh. about just about hitting the character. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the problem. Earned versus unearned. It has a lot to do with GM skill, which is why I'm very hesitant to like do absolutisms because I've seen the people <laughs> fuck it up so bad. I, I could agree <laughs> with that. I could see, I could see that going poorly. Cause yeah, it is going to be, it's going to be, you know, is the GM just trying to jab at you or yeah. like piss you off or they're really trying to just push your buttons. Right. And it is all context. Well, and, and yeah, then you're talking about, yeah, then it's, it becomes more of a vindictive thing. And, and especially if the game, if you have a game master who maybe has a problem with the, the way that you made your character or some of the things that you're doing with your character. Um, or I mean, I, I don't have reservations about a uh, character dying in one of my games. And, you know, if they, if it's a logical reason or a way, or it's just a turn of fate, you know, the dice just roll that way. Um, but I've had people say to me, so-and-so's cheating. Are you going to kill their character? <laughs> it's like, no, I, I, you know, that's not a, a, for me, that's not a valid reason why, you know, something like that should happen. But if no, you're you a player. No, yeah, I think I think in that situation, it's a sit down with the player and be like, hey, 
Right. I know you're doing this. You right. need to just stop. But if you had, then you have a character, you have a player like our friend yeah. Aaron, who, uh, and one of our, our favorite stories is he, th- he took a flaw that he thought would never, ever, ever come into play. Yeah. And it was like, oh, okay, I'll take sea madness. We never go on a boat. Yeah. And then set himself up. Yeah. And then what happens? You played yourself. They get on a boat. <laughs> I just, just happened to go on a boat. And he, you know, and I, ter- I, instead of just making him, you know, at a minus on his rolls or something like that, I made it so that way he blacked out and woke up with blood on his hands. You think, I mean, okay, so how do we tie this into anxiety then? Like, do you think that makes, does it make you anxious to bring those things up ever? Like, is it like, man, if I fuck with this player, are they going to like this or are they going to like hate it? Or? Well, there's always that that risk when you're talking about, you know, doing for production versus doing for your friends. Yeah. Um, I don't – a lot of times I don't I don't make that distinction. Um, I ran a Shadowrun game where uh, one of the main plots was uh, this guy was using underage technomancers as prostitutes. Oh, and my God. What are you saying? Oh my God, you were there. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and but it's still it's still fucked up. It's not, it's it's not still no bad less. every time you say it. It doesn't get better. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I'm not conditioned to enjoy that. Eric. <laughs> I've heard this story. God, I don't know how many times. It doesn't get better. Yeah, no. it's like, am I doing this for production? No, I'm doing it because one player at that table yeah. was super sensitive to it. And it was, I want to push the button there to see what exactly what will happen. And what it ended up doing was it, it, it fractured the group oh, to yeah. a point. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know exactly what you're talking about now. Yeah. Uh, it's really sad that I didn't get to do what I wanted to in that game. Uh, Take the children outside and kill them. Yeah, no. We know what you want to do. <laughs> actually, actually. You're on the record. You're, the street. <laughs> you're not. You're not that far off. Uh, <laughs> we are talking about the one I played a troll, right? Okay. Yeah. So my guy was low key some kind of demon and was an Oni. And I was like coming into my powers and one of my powers that I got was drain. And to get stronger, I had to drain people. We were running out of time and I that kind of just got waved right. eventually. Right. But my plan was to slowly start killing these girls and like draining their essence Good away. God. And well, to be fair, it was more You're of a such j- a skexy. <laughs> it was it was such a it was more of a jab at the at one of the players because it was it was eating up all of our game time. Well, and here's the and the thing was and the, there was a lot of like group dynamics stuff going on in yeah. that thing, mostly because this player had just decided on their own to completely take over the game. Yes. Oh. And, you know, mm. uh, we are going to, it's like, it's like playing D&D and the person playing the paladin decides they want to be the moral compass of the, you know, of, yeah. of the game uh, and enforce it. <laughs> yeah. And you're going on some grand adventure and then you stop in a town and they decide, you know what? Let's stay here. <laughs> like, that's what it was like. It was like, you know what? No, we're not going to leave these people. What? What do you mean? No, we got to make sure they're okay. What the fuck? No. <laughs> well, let's start giving them money that we earned. Whoa, who the fuck are you? Like, no, goddamn. Like, you have any idea what we've been through for this shit? No, fuck these little girls. Like, I was, no, I was you ready. Pay for that. I, I was ready to just drain these little girls completely into husks and leave them. Like, golly. Hey, it was the only way to get us going. So, uh, it, but to answer your question, Brandon, <laughs> I, uh, no, I don't generally get that nervous. the The only anxiety and fear I have GMing is that people are going to hate the game. It's the only thing. 
is it's all about enjoyment of the players because I as an arrogant person I'm aware of the fact that I need to check <laughs> my pride at the door <laughs> oh I'm, I'm anyone who knows me knows that I'm very very fond of myself um, but GMing <laughs> well you're a in good, good company tool. yeah 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 <laughs> yes, <I am. laughs> but GMing has been a good tool of being like you know your best games aren't about anything you do yeah. and the moment you learn that the moment you get out of your own way so in, in terms of like fear and anxiety as a GM it's just that. And then as a player, I've never experienced it because I've never had a character die unless I chose to kill them. I, so as far as like, so I've, I've always, this is not really GM perspective, but I've always wanted to run a game. And my biggest thing is anxiety of running my first game or running a game for people that have played a game that I'm trying to run or something like that. Cause I have good ideas for storylines, but it's, it's like, is it the the like the anxiety of maybe looking foolish, not, shit at it, not yeah. knowing you know, the yeah. rules or whatever? Yeah, I don't want to sit down and look like a player trying to throw rules at people. Like, so oh, yeah. you didn't even do your homework or something, or maybe I forget something, or right. you know, I try to run, uh, or I'm trying to make my story go a certain way, and maybe I forget something or I fuck something up, and it's like, God damn it, that's not what I wanted. Right. And then it's also, how do I expect players to play it? Which I pretty much know how everybody I play with plays, but you never know. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right. It, trust so me, is- in my group, I definitely do. <laughs> There's their archetypes; like they're not. They, they don't mix it up. Um, so this is this is going to come out way before this conversation. But Eric and I, you and I, just recently talked um, pre-recording for my show about this, and one of the things I said about that exact thing that you're talking about is you are going to fuck up. So get it over with already. Oh yeah. yeah. Like you have to fuck up a lot and no one wants to hear this. Like that's right. the thing I re- I did the same thing. I'm like, Oh, I'll listen to this podcast and I'll read this one GM's book and I'll mm-hmm. do this. And it's like, no, you just have to keep fucking up until you don't fuck up as often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, and then you'll continue to, you can, and then you'll continue to fuck up even no matter how long you do it, because you'll, you'll never, you'll never remember everything perfectly. You'll never, you know, uh, stick the landing when it comes to scenes or NPCs all the time. It's just, you know, it, it, going into it, knowing that you're going to not necessarily always do the best job actually, I think helps you do a good job. Uh, I think in a lot of ways, I think because it, it, it loosens yourself up a little bit. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely one of those people that, um, I have to do something uh, just, just one time. And after I did the one time, like, Pretty much all my anxiety is gone. You get more comfortable with it. I, I'm instantly more comfortable. What you're saying is you need to bust your hymen. Yeah. 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 I got you. Okay. All right, uh, Eric. Can you do me a favor, real quick? Can you pause the recording? We're all going to roll up characters. My here we go, Brandon. My <laughs> my um, advice to you, Brandon, when you first run a game, don't run for Shannon. Oh my god! Yeah. I, know. Um, I already <laughs> know that. Are, are you kidding I me? That? I, re- I mean. You, you want to talk about uh, somebody going, uh, hey, you forgot this? Yeah. On the regular. Oh, uh, it's, it's. I play in that game and I constantly, it doesn't matter what game it is. I play in that game <laughs> and I constantly go, babe, please, like, stop. Let me, let me do my thing. Yeah. Just let it, like, just let this happen. I, there was a, there was a couple of times, I think it was in the last time we were playing uh, uh, Glitch and she was like, um, wasn't it this and wasn't it that? And I was just like, yeah, you're right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you ever do you ever do the uh, do you ever do the GM trick where you do the you do go? Um, actually, not this session. And then you just like <laughs> kind of go and turn to another player and you go, "Fuck! I got to remember. I got to figure out a way to tie that in." <laughs> so one quick thing that I wanted to bring up that um, was kind of touched on was 
I also have never had a character die. And what, what? it's about time, Dorothy. Yeah. So here's my story because it actually does tie into the whole anxiety topic because there was a character very recently that got super close to dying. Oh, yeah. And I did everything within my power to You're naked avoid at the end it. of it. Yeah. So not not physically it was in the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just I mean, got to clarify it's, that. It's like strip poker, but <laughs> RPGs. Um, we called that shit, to too. This, I gotta go to this dungeon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but Eric was running the game, obviously, and we were getting owned by these... No, 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 no. I, I was getting... Oh, keep in mind, all the other players in, in the campaign have, like, maybe one or two of these baddies on them. I had five, just on me. Jeez. And I was getting the shit kicked out of me, taking so much damage that I was having to sacrifice armor left and right to the point where I was naked (laughs) and in, you know, like wounds and shit. And I was so stressed and so anxious about the potential of losing this character that I was looking at Eric like, what, what, what can I do next? Okay. How do, how do I save it now to the, like, sometimes the, the cherry on top of all of this was that. Eric had left his dice in the house and was using my own dice to kill me. Yeah, yeah, oh. that was the best part. That was so, hilarious. Oh my god, I forgot like, about that. Yeah, so I had, oh. I had recently bought this epic fuckload of dice, and I was like, oh, I have all. It's all like these extras. beating you with your own arms. That's just exactly like- what it was. I said, I have all of these extras here, Eric. Just use these. He said, Are you sure? I said, Yeah, sure, it's fine. <laughs> So then he proceeds to murder me the rest of the night. You should see the shit eating grin on Eric's face. Yeah. (laughs) The last time Eric ran for me, he we were running on roll twenty, and all of a sudden, towards the end of the night, he just goes the only roll the whole night. He's like, I'm just gonna roll these with real dice. Oh, nat twenty. I was like, you motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, to that point though, like, not only are anxious situation or creepy situations that your characters get put in like stressors for not only you the player but for the gm as well but death situations uh because i mean i had never been in that place before and it was not fun for me right up until the point where i was like okay well i i have ways to avoid actually dying it's just gonna suck ass for a while (laughs) eric i don't know if you're taking all this in but clearly you've been doing your job wrong (laughs) you've gone too soft oh i guess so no (laughs) yes we he's gone too soft for for resting glitch we had and we were uh, eric and i were talking about this earlier we had this twitter thing that was like answer all these questions about your character and on one of them there was a mention about like uh my character dying to some degree and i even tagged eric in it and was like this is not an invitation this is no you're not allowed <laughs> i can attest to the being anxious for your character dying that's probably the only time i ever get anxious is if i really like a character and i want to continue playing that character because i'm like fi- i'm in i'm in the character and i'm yeah, finally right. like like it's going but then being because you'll notice you'll notice if I really like a character because it'll be a really oh shit moment and I'm not the first <laughs> one jumping into combat I'm the one that's like should we fight this thing like I'll start asking that's like, like every episode of uh, of uh, Sky's of Glass. Glass yeah, yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh now do you find it changes <laughs> based on stack like based on the stakes around it though because I, I even a character I like if they're about to die from some stupid nonsense I'm like. <sighs> fucking take him yeah. it never happens but i'm always w- like willing but it's only when it's like oh i'm like the last guy in between 
like this guy in the bomb cylinder or whatever that's pointed at like my cousin's house. Right. You know, like, they, like if there's no stakes there, I tend to go from like really liking this character to being like, ah, oh, fuck it, I got a binder full. <laughs> <laughs> See, I it takes me a while to get into a character to begin with. So by the time I'm actually into the character. If for me to think about playing something else is really hard in that setting because oh, I'm yeah. like I want this character to continue on because I want to see what this character would do in this situation. Right. So yeah. if if like my character died in the middle of fighting something we didn't have to fight, like if we were like like getting fucking tires for a fucking motorcycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going into Skies of Glass. Skies of Glass, that's all you, man. That you fucked up. Like I went on a goddamn shopping spree with Tony. We had a great day. Um and the return reaction was so good. You know what though? I'm actually glad that I'm at the table with other people that are trying to get murdered because when we first started playing, there were so many times where I was like, why the fuck aren't we going there? Like why are we doing this? And I talked to Eric about it every time we left like what the fuck? Like, are we not doing anything? Like, we could have gone to do this, and like everybody was trying not yeah, to. He's like, he's like, Dan is totally seeding this, and he he wants. He's obvious the the adventure is there, and we keep fucking around. Yeah, we keep fucking around. <laughs> and Chad's like, no, let's not do this. Like, what the hell's going on, man? And he and Eric's like, no, no, just get, just give it time. I'm like, all right, all right, all right, because I I wasn't really used to the game, and I remember the very first combat that ever happened that I was involved in. Um, I think that was actually at that abandoned town, pretty much. Right. right? It's yeah. And I was like, no fucking way. <laughs> like, <laughs> nope, I am not, I am not even remotely going to be involved in this because people got fucked up instantly, like super screwed. Hard pass. And I was like, oh, it's that kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> like, there, no. I think that, yeah, the lethality, and we've talked about this before, the lethality of a game, I think, ups that stake. Oh, God, yeah. And, and especially if you, if you make characters that are more than just archetypes or just uh, cardboard cutouts. If you really yeah. put a lot of thought into personality and, you know, getting into that headspace and all of that stuff, the thought of losing that character and then having to make another one is very, it's, it's very daunting. That's yeah. real anxiety. In that exact example yeah. that I mentioned before, I, so I had actually changed my character. We had like a mid season break that happened and I had made a new character and that was the character that went through the almost death scenario. And had I played my original character, I would have been devastated because she would have died. Oh, yeah, so yeah. I literally flipped to like a polar opposite of her character and you know, it kind of covered my ass a little bit because, you know, I was able to sacrifice armor left and right. Whereas yeah. if I had been playing the previous character, she didn't wear armor. So she would have, <laughs> she was a limp noodle. She would have yeah, been toast. You, you should have let that show die, though, just to get the first one out of the way. I mean, <laughs> no. you gave That's up right. so much to do That's it. Right. You should have That's just right. been like, you know what? Fuck it. Take them. Take them <laughs> down. Towards the, towards the end, I was definitely like, man, this is some... This is some shit. I he's just gonna go. And that and that wasn't even the first instance of him almost dying. We got into a fucking shipwreck right after that, and he got crushed by the mast and almost drowned. So Eric was just on it that night. Sounds like maybe you know what, Eric? Maybe you are on it. I'm sorry. Maybe maybe you're just like you're you're it setting it up me. for like, yeah. hey, this it's is like, inevitable. Oh yeah, your your character your character's gonna die. No, they're gonna live. No, they're gonna die. And now she's like too anxious to do stuff because it's like fuck, Eric's gonna kill me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I actually wanted to bring that bring that up on the topic of like fear and anxiety. How like when you're building fear and anxiety into a game, I think sometimes you can almost push people, like my wife is like this as a player, into paralysis. Mm -hmm. You know oh, what like, I mean? They're not so wanting to make a decision at all. Yeah. 
or like Shannon yeah. walking away from the table. You know right, what I right, mean? Right. Like, yes. Like, so how do you cut that? Like, how do you ride that line? I guess. I think, you know, for, for that kind of thing, it almost seems like it, it has to be something you almost have to discover by trial and error. And, you know, if you said, I mean, if you, if you realize that you've maybe pushed your players into a position where they're, yeah, they're literally, their characters are paralyzed with fear because they don't want to do this thing because they fear dying and they don't necessarily see a path out. Um, you know, then you may have to do some some GM hand waving to either you know drop some heavy hints or you know have something happen that allows one of them to see a way you know a way out of the situation, whatever that way might be. But I think it it's almost hard to know. You know, you, you almost have to take it by a case by case basis, maybe even um, to see you know where the situation's at when it happens. But I mean, if you're I guess if your players are constantly behaving in such a manner that they that they lock up every time something serious comes on because i can certainly see that like using your skies of glass game as an example with all of the deaths that you'd have and though i'm 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 well behind on it i would think that at some point realistically the characters would be like we have to just stop doing things you know we have to just <laughs> let's just go and like let's find some seeds and just plant and then let's just try and live the rest of our lives you know harm free because you're constantly you know people are just constantly dropping and i don't know it becomes it uh, where was i going with this one i had a really good point and then i suddenly got old and i didn't you remember where to, my point was i think you were going with uh, you have to kind of sample it and do case by case you do yes and and i think too i think you also I think you can you can alleviate that some by either oh no I remember where I was going to go <laughs> if you <laughs> found it this is literally how conversations with me go all the time I'll be talking and then suddenly I'll stop and I'll go you know I was really going to say something profound and then like five minutes later as I've gone in a circle I'm like now I remember what I was going to say um, <laughs> but if you're if it is a constant situation where your players essentially are locking up because they don't know what to do, I think at, at that point, I think you have to have like either a post or pregame conversation with them and say, look, you know, I, I get where you guys are, are going through with this one, but you have to, you know, you have to trust me as your game master that, yes, this may end up being brutal, but I'm never going to put you in a situation where it's going to be some sort of insta-death sort of thing. Or if I do, it's going to be very obvious that you need to go the other way or you need to get out of that situation, you know, because they need to be reassured in a certain sense that, yep, it's still dangerous, but you have to still play the game to a certain extent. So the way I play Skies of Glass is pretty different than how I play most games. Usually, if you put somebody in danger, usually my character, no matter what kind of personality they are they generally as a player generally i try to help other players at the table so it's a, it'd actually be pretty easy to put me into some kind of trap because you just <laughs> you just have to put somebody else in danger and then i'm like ah, shit like all right i'm gonna try and help them and then just fuck me over completely just <laughs> but at first i'm like ah, god damn it like that's a bad decision and then somebody makes that bad decision and i'm like fuck okay i gotta help them get out of this bad decision I'm probably going to fucking die or something. But usually in that situation, I'm like, I'm accepting what may happen. But in like skies of glass, it's the opposite. It's no, that's a dumb decision. I'm not even going to help somebody if they get in that decision. They're making that situation. Like, <laughs> yeah, you did it to yourself. Yeah. Well, look what you did. Dipshit. Like, you're fucking dead now. Or, oh, look, you got shot. What do you think was going to happen? Like, there were so many times where I was going to get into a combat. And then somebody luckily beat me to it. 
Cause like my character is pretty much unproven in a fight other than, I mean, I've had, I guess I've had like gunfights and they've gone pretty well, but my character is actually geared to knife fight and he's never been in a knife fight. Not once. <laughs> and the, as soon as I've realized how brutal it is to do that up close, hell no, I'm never going to do that. I'm never going to knife fight somebody. It's <laughs> never going to happen. The one time I was going to do it, was in Chicago, I think. And there was that guy that was following us and I was going to attack him. And then everybody else was like, yeah, I go and kill him. I'm like, Oh, what? Damn it. I was like pissed. Cause I was like, fuck, I was going to fight this guy. And I had this whole like cool thing planned. No, it would not have been cool. It would have been horrible because right. then I got to see what was actually going to happen because they were both stabbed and hurt really badly. Right. And I was like, oh, <laughs> fuck. Like, yeah, because it's, oh. like, it's not like hit and then wait for them to swing at you. It's no. like same time. Everybody's yeah. getting fucked up at the same time. Oh, and getting taking a wound in that game is just absolutely brutal because it's one of those games that like just tacks on negatives every time yeah. you get in uh, yeah. like, <laughs> the death spiral. Yeah. So like as soon as you're hit, you're pretty much fucked. <laughs> like, yeah. actually, now that I think about it, it kind of plays into how I usually play other players to, or other characters too. I'm not in combat helping people. I'm out of combat to help them after the fight's over. So I guess I could look at it that way. Yeah. I'm still looking if to you, like... If you wanted to sleep at night. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Brandon, how many of your characters have you, do you usually play where you have um, like actual family? Because Poe has a wife and kids, and I, I think that affects sometimes how you play him. I try to make it matter more than not, even though there's not a lot of, there hasn't been a lot of times where it's mattered, but I try to make oh, it, it mattered a really point. big once. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I try to make it matter. A lot of times in other games, I don't really do family too often. And I think that's just because a lot of times it could be used against you or yeah. you've got other things you have to worry about. Like, well, yeah, would it's, I it's really be adventuring be in, right now exactly. if I had kids at home? Like, Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly the the sticking point I had with my new character in that game. It's like, okay, I I made the, the character where his, his family was taken from him. Yeah, and then which is great. Almost immediately, the family was returned to him. And I'm like, well, damn, now what I know. I to do? I remember when my you got like... My character's name is... You were super surprised <laughs> that she was there and you're like, well, fuck fuck, now what do I do? <laughs> right. <laughs> I think it still plays out well, though, because she's not really there. Right. Yeah, and there's uh, there's a level of anxiety in on my part uh, yeah. in that game because I was like, you know, I, I tried to make it very personal. And, mm -hmm. and you know, uh, Brandon, you even mentioned it uh, um, in one of the post games where uh, we're talking about the fact that I named my character's wife's name is my actual wife's name. Yeah. Um, and I did that by design because I wanted that emotional connection no. um and not because i want to be pegged in you know that game but you know i it's well, uh, that's an irl thing <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that goes back to the earlier conversation <laughs> but uh, oh man could you imagine the rules for pegging in skies of glass oh my god <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> minus Blow three speed minus three speed right exactly <laughs> Yeah, roll body to avoid uh, peritonitis from a perf bowel. Yeah. Um, you got a wound. Why do I have a major wound in my right leg? <laughs> I was going to say wound to your legs. Yeah. <laughs> I intentionally put myself in that position no. uh, because you know I wanted it to be. I, I wasn't expecting that the the NPC to be thrust into the game that quickly. But once that happened, it was like. Okay, now I have to react to it. I'm playing the character, and this will come out, um, you know. I don't know what game. episode's out right now. Uh, Is the last one we played out? Yeah. Oh, okay. 41, I think. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, but it's he's, he's one of those characters that uh, I'm exploring different aspects of 
you know, the psychosis of, mm-hmm. of what's happened to him. And I, initially I thought, well, this fucks up my whole plan because <laughs> this is, you know, I'm going to play this character this way. And now all of a sudden I have to deal with this. And then I thought, no, I, I don't think things have I changed. I don't think things have changed uh, at all. In how I'm th- I'm playing the character's psyche. Yep. And so I I want that level of anxiety yeah. where I'm I'm worried about something. I have done the same thing in Resting Glitch with Maureen. Because she's modeled after my actual godmother. And, you know, that's her NPC portrayal in the game. So anytime any, like, I didn't expect her to be brought up so quickly in Rest and Glitch. And then the fact that some of the anxiety that I felt about it, which was in one of the latest episodes, was when Shannon's character, Eris, shows up, I had to tell her, listen, you need to not say anything about this woman. You think that your family is protected. Oh, no, woman. Understand that if anything were to happen to her, my eyes are on you first because she's the outsider of the group. Right. That was a lot of anxiety for me in that game, too, because of the realism that was there. How do you feel about the fact that Eric's definitely going to kill her? <laughs> <laughs> With this knowledge. He's, he's actually mean, writing on a notepad right now. So... <laughs> So something that happened, and this would be a super secret spoiler, but something that happened in the last record session that we did was like an epic moment for Maureen. I don't know that she's going anywhere anytime soon, but I would be very, very sad if she is. And then Eric has you right where he wants you. (laughs) I know. I am forever in a state of anxiety (laughs) as far as gaming is concerned. (laughs) That's kind of the whole cast for, for Glitch, isn't it? It's kind of nice. Um, it's yeah, a it, it bundle is a, of anxiety. It, it, yeah. It's a target reaction <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I'll talk to uh, Shannon will come. Like, I, I think I don't, I don't know if I said this on mic. Uh, Shannon will come home and talk to me about Resting Glitch Face. And it's totally different from when I talk to Eric about Resting Glitch Face because I hear both sides of it. Mm. So I hear what's happened and what's going, an idea of what's going to happen and kind of like some insights and things. And I'll, <laughs> I'll talk to Shannon and she'll tell me these things I'm like, Oh, she's super excited about this. She loves what happened. And then I'll talk to Eric and he'll tell me some things. And I'm like, I can't believe they don't see this coming. <laughs> like, I can't believe that like it's right in front of their face. How do they not see this coming? And, uh, it's, it's very interesting to be on, uh, both sides of that, but also trying to keep my mouth shut. I don't, I don't spoil too much. But I, I certainly um, will say like, oh, this is what's happened and this is the things that I've laid out. And Brandon will go, well, why are they letting this happen? Well, they, they just ignored that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, Wait, I don't what? think you're giving anything away. It's no information that you haven't given them. They just ignore it. <laughs> they just flat out ignore it because it's Hold like on. blatant in your face stuff. And it's like. How would they not know that that's where you were? And Erica, I don't know. Can I have an example, <laughs> please? Nope. No. Uh-uh. And I talked to I talked to Shannon about it a little bit because I was like, it sounds like you guys aren't actually playing any of the Shadowrun portion. She's like, no, it's great. And I was, I was like, going to say, it's one of my favorite things about Wretching, uh, Resting Glitchface is that with so many other shows, it's like, I was sitting in a room over there waiting to go on an adventure. Yeah. Now here I am, an adventurer. And the the girls at uh, Resting Glitchface just feel like real people mm-hmm. that you just get to pop in on their life. Um, and I, <laughs> I, well, it really does. I think you girls are all doing amazing. And Eric, I actually wanted to give you kudos too because I have a feeling you were just like, oh, I, I, this is the game you guys want to play. Yeah. I am yeah. on board. I'm sure, <laughs> Let's I'm do sure this. that was it. Yep. I'm sure. Because I've I've talked about like I've talked to both of them about how the game's going and I'm like, oh man, 
I would hate to play that game. <laughs> I, I'd be fine with, I, I would be fine playing a game with all of them because I know all of them except for... Except uh, Maddie. Except Maddie. Yeah. Um, and I would have no problem playing a game. Specifically playing that game would drive me nuts because... Oh, you would hate my ETU games. Uh, I don't know. So here's, here's why I don't think I would is because... I love Shadowrun. The things that I like about Shadowrun are the things that you specifically just said you like, you don't, not necessarily don't like, but what you like about their game is the minus to Shadowrun side. <laughs> so like, I really like Shadowrun and I love the setting and I love all that stuff and I have no problem with role playing parts of it, but I still want a Shadowrun feel and their game is very much more RP without as much Shadowrun. And I yeah. would want, I would want the heists. I would want the missions. I would want those things. Right. I would still want the RP, but I would want those like high stakes things. Right. And that's just not your guys' game. And that's fine. That's absolutely fine. We've had a couple instances. Um, I mean, like the bike chase with Joe, that was definitely a moment of intensity for her. Yeah. But I mean, for the most part, it definitely has been a lot of role play oriented well, and, and the way I'm looking at it, and, and Gage, you're exactly right. When I sat down to to play to run this game, it's like, yeah, okay, I see where where you guys want to be, and I'm totally down with this. And the latest released episode is the first instance of like hard Shadowrun yeah. stuff yeah. stuck in. You know, there was a, a light mission before, but now it's like, you know, you guys can go around and hang out at Nuked Burger and talk to Guy Hold and all on. this other stuff. <laughs> light mission. We literally watched someone walk out of a building carrying another woman's head. No, that's a light but mission, it Dorothy. It wasn't one of your character's head. So no, but I mean, good goodness. <laughs> Keep that in mind. That's a light mission. <laughs> that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, we're we're a bunch of naive ladies. Just, and that's Just great. trying to make a way. <laughs> just trying to make a way. I I love hearing about it from Shannon because Shannon gets so excited about how it's not Shadowrun, but it is like yeah. she gets so, so hype about it. But if it was like just more traditional Shadowrun, like, uh, do you like, could you have these moments? Like we're talking about with fear and anxiety. It's like if you're just, oh, I'm the professional and I'm here and I do the job and yep. nope, I died and no one's going to mourn no, me I, because yep. I had a bank account and an apartment. Oh, I 100% like, agree. I think what's you're a bank account? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I, I've actually had we, this conversation before. I was going to say we couldn't even calculate what our what our actual money was going to be. Oh my split god! Up. What did we get three times our normal rate? Cool. What's a normal rate? <laughs> right. <laughs> I oh think was god. part of the conversation. <laughs> yes, um, but I've ha I've actually had that conversation about playing the cold professionals mm -hmm. and sitting at a table and 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 people telling me don't don't put any RP in my game. I don't want. The, you know, I don't want personal stakes in God, this. God, that sounds boring. That's no, that's no fun. That sounds so boring. And, I, <laughs> and I'm like... The cold professional is only interesting when someone finally follows him home and you realize that he stays home and cooks and cleans for a family of four and his wife's a lawyer and she comes home and kisses him and thinks he's been home all day, like cleaning the house. Like yeah. that's the only way the cold professional is interesting right. when you find out that he's not a cold professional. Right. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta have some kind of, uh, some kind of quirk, right? Adding fear anxiety into your game it's going to be there yeah. if you're doing it uh well enough uh the players will inject it themselves because if they're personally invested in their characters there's always the little tricks that you can do to try and you know push those buttons or you know try and uh, get that out of them but i think gage i think you're 100 percent right i think that if you want true anxiety at the table all games should be dread 
because that I don't think I've ever played Dread. Uh, well, then it sounds like we are need you going to, to Gen Con? Uh, act, oh, when's Gen Con this it's year? It's in August. Actually, we might we is, might be able to. Is that what we play? Right, the I'll Jenga Tower. Yeah. Oh God, tower. yes. Yes. That was so fun. With the Jenga Tower. Yeah. That, you make your your life and death decisions by pulling pieces of Jenga. Oh. Even more anxiety. And if the tower falls, yeah, oh. if the tower falls on your turn, you die. Yes. So do you? I mean, do you make it more exciting with like putting like shards of glass on the Jenga? Uh, well, that, that <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> that'd be the Muay Thai version. But no, uh, <laughs> the uh, um, but uh, yeah, they're heated metal pieces. The the. the oh. What you do? What you do is you bring a ringer, right? Yeah. And you play with Jason. Oh, because <laughs> he's Mr. Shakes. Yeah. So. Oh my God. <laughs> Jason. Jason's character would die in ten seconds. That's me. I have really shaky. Hands. No, he actually has like <laughs> tremors. Yeah. Yeah. He, his hands are like this all the time. He could. He can. Yeah. That's right. Uh, he's like, look at this hand. It's as steady as a rock. Yeah. Oh this my is my God. shooting hand. Yeah. <laughs> this is my shooting hand. Yeah. <laughs> the trick. Uh, the trick to running dread is that you start. Like every horror movie, you start off sunny. Well, we're going, we're stopping at the gas station to grab beer for the, the cabin, and you just <laughs> have them pull for everything. Yeah. And they're so cocky that they don't argue with you. And, and then, then all by the of time sudden, it gets to the real stuff, it's real hard. Oh, by the time it's like 10 p.m. the first night and the weekend that they have to survive, suddenly they're like, oh, Fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, motherfucker, you wanted two cell phones for some reason. <laughs> it's for a side bitch. Come on, man. <laughs> Everybody's got to have their side hustle. <laughs> That's right. All right. Any final thoughts before we wrap on this one? I don't know. I'm, I'm scared to hear how this is, this will come out. I have a lot of anxiety for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think we'll uh, wrap it up there and we'll talk to you guys next time.